As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Back to 46 with AMB, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined as always by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, everything's right, everything's fixed. Ohio State beats Purdue 59 to 31. We're on cruise control until the playoff, right? Good to go. Yeah, I mean, what the 18 point spread against Michigan State, probably a 20 point spread against Michigan. Uh, it's just kind of, and then maybe a 20 point spread in the Big Ten championship game regardless of who they're playing i mean it's just like uh coast to coast no problem right you know that, one that's week, right uh we're, we're back not sure if they ever win again or the next week <laughs> it's whatever and it's, listen it's ohio state is exactly what they are which is the most talented team in the big 10 that can score 500 points against anybody that they play and they might show up and try to play really good or they might look like ass and this week on the roulette wheel was show up and play really well now i don't know what your take is on their defense because mm-hmm. i don't know part of me is just like they were up by 100 and they just stopped playing you know you know i, I don't know like if i look at that that defensive performance and go that team can't play defense it sucks we suck again you know what i mean like i don't know yeah. if it's like that but also and also, I know Purdue has some really good players. I think David Bell's really, really good. Um, but that was a joke of a game. I was uh, – I picked Ohio State to win by 10. I, I'm not surprised that it was a blowout. 
that it was four, 45 this it was a 45 14 at one point is that what it was that like blew my mind it was 35 to 7 like before you could blink it blew your mind it blew my mind that it got that out of hand that quickly yeah that was that was a that was a uh, quick quick road to an ass kicking yeah, I mean, it did seem like there was a backdoor cover written all over that for the second part of the, the, the second half. Uh, but, yeah, dude, it's just Purdue is pretty good for what Purdue is. But if we're talking about Ohio State in the scope of national championship contender, that's what's supposed to happen. you know. Yep. And I don't know if the score probably should have looked more like 48 to 14 at the end of it rather than 50-whatever to what 30-whatever. But, like, it's just... November 15th is when we're recording this on Monday. This is the version of Ohio State that has to be here heading into the season. You know, and we mm-hmm. play grab ass all year. Sometimes there's some some games where they're not playing very well. Sometimes, you know, they're playing, you know, much, much better when they get the fortunate uh, scheduling gods of, you know, playing Akron. But the fact that they were able to be the offense that we knew that they were, it was just a fun game to watch. And I think Ohio State fans probably needed that more than anything. Yeah, I think so too. It was it was thirty five seven with thirteen and change left to play in the second quarter, which is like what happens when Ohio State plays in Akron or Miami of Ohio. Um, it's happened from time to time against a Big Ten opponent. I, I can't recall the last time it happened against a ranked Big Ten opponent. Now, I suppose you could quibble with whether or not Purdue should have been ranked, but I think that was actually a pretty solid Purdue team. I don't want to do the thing where we like say Purdue was solid going into the game and then Ohio State kicks shut up. I'm like, oh yeah, that team sucks. Like I thought that was a. Pr- that's a Decent really solid Purdue, Purdue team for Decent. what they are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And and I think compared to the rest of the Big Ten, like pretty close to on par, right, with what I think the rest of what the Big Ten has I to I think offer Michigan and Michigan State, State are probably much better than them. I mean, they but have – Purdue kicked two, the shit out of Michigan State. Yeah, I know. You're right. <laughs> the spread so, for the Michigan the State same. game yeah, is, the, right, is the right. same. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I think Michigan. Did I say, is what did I say? I think, did I say Michigan or Michigan State? I meant you say, said both. You said yeah, both, yeah. but I, I think I'd agree that the Michigan State is is a, is a notch above. They have more. They have more than one guy on defense. You have to worry about for sure. Michigan does. Um, Who's better, Karloftis or Hutchinson? Hutchinson. I think it's close, but I would take Hutchinson. Karloftis, like I, I had not watched him like really at all before this game i like what my knowledge of him was based off like reading draft stuff and people talking well about him was not super impressed by him against ohio state and maybe that's a credit to ohio state but i thought when he had the chance to pass rush like he just got swallowed up by nick petit frere dewan jones um ohio state had a really good plan to like scheme him out of things in the run game and just like leaving him unblocked and using his aggression against them and i also felt like there were just times where he was just he looked slow like he didn't he didn't look super explosive to me. So um I was I was kind of surprised by how unimpressed I was by by George Karlathis. I think he's I know still you, a pretty good player. I know you player, might not but, believe this, Landis. Yeah. But I think Ohio State, like I'm not sure about this, you'll have to tell me if I'm wrong, has a really good offensive line too. Like I know we we wouldn't have known that from the past few weeks. But Yeah, I didn't play it play that way the last two weeks, yeah. So here's my theory and you tell me. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the Big 10 can stop Ohio State when Ohio State's hitting on all cylinders, right? Correct. Like, nobody. Like, Ohio State, and I don't know if this is hyper- hyperbolic or not. You tell me this. I think they should be able to score a touchdown on every possession against everybody in the Big Ten. Like, I know that's, that's impossible, but, like, seriously, there's nobody that has the talent to stop what they have on offense in terms of the skill position players. 
Yeah, I, well, I, it's not it's and not if, that crazy of a thing to say because like it basically happened for a month, and then they moved it against Penn State and got it in the red zone six times and just couldn't score. And I then like they Ohio scored State like every time they had the ball against Purdue. It's their fault. It does feel like very rarely when Ohio State fails to score is because of something the other team did. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know if we're gonna get into Michigan State picks until the later in the week, but like. Explain to me why Ohio State shouldn't score fifty again. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I think we will talk about Michigan State later in the week, and I, I I would like to get Colton Pouncey on here to talk a little bit about the Spartans and and Mel Tucker, even like about this game, but also I think long term they're interesting. Um, and we'll give our picks then. But Michigan's Michigan State's defense is is not very good. It's the worst pass defense in the country, like literally the worst pass defense in the country. Um, that should go I, pretty well I've, for them. I believe that C.J. Stroud and them boys are going to be in for a big game <laughs> next Saturday afternoon, weather permitting, and it looks like it's going to be okay. So I don't have I don't have many doubts at all that Ohio State is going to put up points against Michigan State. They're they're favored by 19 right now on BetMGM. The total is 66 and a half. This is like the same exact scenario as the Purdue game, <laughs> line wise. Um, what if like, Vegas is just like guys? You try to figure out who's who. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's kind of what they're telling us, right? But but uh, there is a flip side of that too. Like Michigan State can, I think, can very well score a lot of points in Ohio State too. So I don't know how I feel about the nineteen. I'll think I'll think more on it. But but I'm I'm with you when Ohio State's offense plays the way it played against Purdue, which is not a terrible defense. Uh, I don't think there's anyone. Uh, North of the Mason Dixon line, who's who's stopping that offense, and not even even below the Mason Dixon line, I'm not sure there are many that can stop that offense. Yeah. So, what do you think? I don't know how you uh, proceed with the podcast in general because we're going to talk a bunch about Michigan State at the end of the week. But like, what do you view them um, as the likely landing spot in the playoff reveal? Not that it matters when it comes out. And then two, are you on board yet with where this team is? maybe being the number two team clearly in the country right now? Like what's your take on, on where they stand nationally? Mm, I, I don't think they're going to put them in front of Oregon just yet. Um, mostly cause they don't have to. And, and I think they'll do it next week. If Ohio state beats Michigan state, that that'll be when they do that. I got news um, flash for you too, bud. they're four point dogs against the Utah this weekend. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so they might lose this weekend. Yeah. I know they won. Uh, they won over the weekend, right? They, they played yeah, late. On they Saturday played night. late and I, we had to wait till uh, it was over to record the Andy Staples show. And that was, that was a drag, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I still think, um, and Alabama, like, won handedly against a bad team. So I think the top four probably stays as is, and that it'll change next week if Ohio State, or, or, or you know, we were talking about it when Ohio State beats Michigan State, like I think we all believe will happen. Um, I hope that Michigan State hops over Michigan for no reason. That would be funny. Uh, what the, <laughs> Michigan State Michigan State wins handedly against Maryland. Uh, Michigan wins on the road in a close game against Penn State. Michigan, Michigan State jumps break the head. Yeah, looks more looks more like the complete team this week. <laughs> next next week it'll change again. Uh, back and forth between those two. I, I do feel like I don't I don't I don't know if we talked about it or not. That was like a. I'm fully on board with just ranking the teams whoever you think is best highest because, like, what the hell else are you supposed to do? But, like, the mental gymnastics you have to do to explain that away was hilarious to me. Oh, you mean last week? Last week when yeah. they put Michigan when they put Michigan ahead of Michigan State two weeks after Michigan State beat Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the mental gymnastics were 
I think that Michigan is better than Michigan State. So do I. And I know yeah. that like everybody's like, well, what if there was this cool little metric that we could use to define whether or not Michigan is actually better than Michigan State? What 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 could we hmm, what could we possibly do? But at the same time, it just like I watched the Michigan State Michigan game, and I felt like Michigan kicked their ass for three quarters. They had a terrible call go against them that took a touchdown off the board, and like Michigan State just had some momentum at home late in the game. But like if I had to pick those two teams again. This Saturday in a neutral field, I think Michigan would win. Like, is that a crazy thing to think? And I know that the games have to matter, and I understand that, you know, Michigan State did win the game at home, and they should be given that that opportunity. But I think people view the rankings like the committee is just ranking – like they do it in a pod system. Do people understand this? Yeah. So it's not like just because they – were one slot ahead of Michigan State that there was a discussion in the committee room saying, well, who should we put ahead of who here? I don't think that's how it works. So, like, if it bears out to the fact that they are are viewed as the better team despite losing to them, I, I don't know what the outrage is, especially considering the fact that we're pretty probably close to Ohio State being jumping over Oregon, right? And yep. it's just like, I don't think there has to be a uniform. Everybody wants uniformity and, and consistency in the the – um, rankings that are free of contradiction. But I don't think that's humanly possible. Like, I don't know how you would rank, like, what would your rankings be without contradiction? I don't think you could do it. So, like, at a certain point, I guess the rankings might have just been perfect if you flipped Michigan State and Michigan last week. But it's just like, the sooner that people realize that the committee is going to do what the committee wants to do, um, regardless of whether or not you agree with it, like, mm-hmm. That then you'll be happier. It's a television show. It's for drama. I th- Andy Staples said that he thinks that they change things up just to make it an entertaining show. I don't know that I believe that, but you know, it's just a it's just a thing to keep us preoccupied by college football in the middle of the week as we're waiting for the following week, and it really does not matter at all. But I will say there was a very significant thing for Ohio State this week, and tell me if you agree with this. But when Oklahoma lost to Baylor. That turned Ohio State controlling their own destiny from like ninety nine percent to one thousand percent, right? Like they are, there is no scenario whatsoever now if they went out that they would not get in, because there's no scenario now where there would be four spots uh, or three spots taken and only one for Oregon, Ohio State. If both of those teams went out, then you have a scenario to me that looks like uh, the uh, winner of the Alabama-Georgia game is going to go no matter what. And if that's Alabama, then both go, and then you'll have a spot for Oregon and Ohio State. Is there anybody mm-hmm. else out there that is a shoe-in or must-in? Like, is, if Oklahoma State wins out and beats Oklahoma twice, do they go in over – over? like, I think Oregon has to fear a, a scenario like that, but I think Ohio State's above it now. I agree with that. I think Ohio State is above it. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that you'd have to fear as an Ohio State fan like – even like Cincinnati, like if Cincinnati is sitting there undefeated at the end, I still don't think I don't think the thought process there changes much with them. I still think they're on the outside looking in, barring a couple of these teams in front of them losing multiple games. Um, if there's a scenario where there's like two spots for Oregon, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma is the one that gets left out there. Um, so no, I think Ohio State. I've like I said, I've always thought Ohio State has been in a really good spot, um, and now that's just. But now there's no potential for Oregon versus Ohio State grab ass debates. Like that's gone. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you were worried about that, then you know, and I still think Oregon's probably going to lose again. So you know, that's a discussion, I guess, for a different podcast. But I don't think now that there's anything that could arise that would be like, why is Ohio State going over X team? Yeah. 
I think that's because right. if it becomes an if it becomes an Oklahoma State, uh, Ohio State, Oregon debate, then I think instead of leaving Ohio State out, they would just leave Oklahoma State out and also bring Oregon to avoid that. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any any scenario that I can come up with in my head, even the most disaster chaos scenario possible, that won't come true. That would keep Ohio State out if they don't lose again. Uh, quickly back to the topic of Michigan State and Michigan. Uh, Michigan has thrown for more than. 255 yards in exactly one game this year, and it was when it threw for 406 against Michigan State's defense. So uh, even that team that is uh, allergic to throwing the ball down the field uh, found success throwing the ball against Michigan State with that guy whose name I forget who had the kid from from East Lansing that everyone was talking about who had a couple big plays there. Like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to do that against Michigan State, I think. Yeah. Didn't Michigan hit a big a pass in the Penn State game? Did they? I don't know. I thought that there, I was watching it on GameCast because I had to go do some errand because that's my life now. And I saw that Michigan State scored a long touchdown. Oh, Eric All did. Michigan, yeah, Eric, yeah, yeah. yeah, late. Uh, Eric, yeah, tight end Eric All from uh, from Fairfield, Ohio. Jackson just put Department that guy in the Steelers already and be done with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> right. yeah. like, now that Pat Fryermuth is uh, the former Penn State tight end is on the Steelers. It's like he is turning. Is he, he, he's Ethan Miller. Is he Heath Miller? Yeah, it's already happened. Jersey. We yeah. Landis and I got in, are into collecting sports cards, and he's much more into it than I am. But I kind of like the gambling aspect of it. <laughs> but like, I got a bunch of Pratt. I actually owe you a Pat Fryer Muth card. I need to send it to you because we got we split a break, and I got oh, yeah. we got two Pat Fryer Muth rated rookies, and I have them in my house. One belongs to you. But oh, like you can I keep them. I have, I have a couple here. You can you can hold on to those. Okay, that's fine. Something. But I was like, I know that like a tight end's value only has so much inherent value in the in the card market. But that dude is going to be a stud for ten years. He is, yes. Which I think what he's very good. But I also think that would have been true no matter which tight end the Steelers decided. That's true. <laughs> because no, I don't know. But Steelers. he was so he was really really good, and he just has the the fit for it. Yeah. And also the fact that he went to Penn State, going up the road over to P- Pittsburgh, it's just like it all is so appropriate in every every aspect. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how we got on the topic, but anyway, yes, Eric All did score a touchdown against Penn State. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's two things I want to talk about as it relates to Ohio State. Um, we'll start with the defense because I, I think people are like legitimately concerned about what they saw from Ohio State's defense against Purdue, and that was uh, 31 points scored for almost 500 yards of offense, 390 through the air. And it wasn't like I, – I thought 
I thought that when the game was quote unquote in doubt, which wasn't for very long, but I'll like make that the entire first half, basically, even though Ohio State was up 35 7 right away. I thought the defense did a did a good enough job of getting Purdue off the field a couple times. Um, there were two, or the one fumble, like Ohio State didn't do anything. Purdue just dropped the ball and Ohio State landed on it, so good for them, I suppose. But I didn't really think the defense was a disaster in the first half. And then, as you mentioned at the start, you know, it was a blowout at, at halftime, and I thought that Ohio State got pretty vanilla from that point, and Purdue, to its credit, took advantage of some of that. Um, so I don't I don't really come away from that game thinking, like, uh-oh, Ohio State's defense is broken again, but I did sense quite a bit of that after the game. How much of that do you think is legitimate? I mean, there hasn't been a Horvath running up and down that, uh, that Ohio Stadium since the Heisman Trophy ceremony <laughs> 70 years ago or however long that was. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny that Aiden uh, O'Connell threw for more yards and uh, completed 40 passes in Stroud, who now all of a sudden is back in the Heisman candidacy discussion, uh, threw for 360 yards. But I just feel like when the score is a lot to a little, it's just easy to think and dunk. Like Purdue was just taking a bunch from underneath, and David Bell's very good at getting open. I, I don't know. I mean, their leading rusher was had 36 yards. You know what I mean? I, I just don't think there's anything quite alarming about it. And you know me. Like, I would be like, this is a problem. I, I just yeah. watched that game. It was just like both teams are like, let's get the, get the hell out of here. You know? Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't I did, think that Michigan yeah. State is going to score 31 points this weekend. Michigan State has has some explosive potential for sure. And, like, and Kenneth Walker is a real dude. He is absolutely a real dude. He is still... Um, he's not the odds-on favorite for the Heisman, but he's he's still very much in, in, in the thick of that conversation. Um, and he's a really good player. He's a really dynamic player. We've seen teams that are tailback-led before come to play Ohio State, and like that just doesn't work. Now, this is not the same kind of Ohio State defense. Uh, Michigan State's got a little more to it. Besides that, like Peyton Thorne, I think, is, is a pretty efficient play-action passer. Um, throws the ball down the field okay. Has, has a big-time playmaker. Um, I always get their names mixed up. Jaden Reed. It's Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed, and Naylor is the one that's hurt, right? Okay. So it's not quite a one one dimensional offense um that Michigan State has. But but I I I'm in agreement with you that a lot of what happened against Purdue was like a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of underneath stuff that Ohio State I I think Ohio State was happy to give up and honestly, like rewatch watching it live and then rewatching the game. I think Ohio State was like so keyed in on not getting beat by any one of Purdue's trick plays, and Purdue tried like five of them. Um, none of them really worked. That they were they dialed back the aggression in a major, major way because they didn't want to get caught out of position. Like they didn't blitz; they only blitzed ten times on fifty-two dropbacks. They rushed three quite a bit. They dropped eight in the coverage quite a bit. Um, they played a lot of man late when the game was out of hand. But but I'm not. I don't think they were like getting caught in that early in the game. I think they were just like we're going to back up and keep everything in front of us in case you try some weird shit. And Purdue did, and, and it didn't work, although one almost got out and, and maybe should have because there was a breakdown for Ohio State that Purdue didn't see. But but I, I don't know that I came away from that thinking like, oh, here we go again. Like This is this is what Oregon did. Oregon exposed Ohio State's broken defense in every way possible, and, and Purdue just did the same. I really, I really don't think that was it. I also don't think this is a great defense. I think it, it might be a good defense or a step below good, as, as we've talked about before, but – I think if the offense is playing that way, this defense can be good enough, um, and they got to get more of a pass rush. Like one pressure, regardless of how you're playing, is is um, borderline inexcusable. Um, 
but I didn't think like I didn't think there were fundamental whole fundamental flaws in Ohio State's defense that Purdue was just like picking on the entire game. I think they were taking what was there, and Ohio State needs to tackle better. Ohio State had eight missed tackles, and Purdue had more than two hundred yards after the catch. Like like that that is a thing to clean up for sure because that's not scheme. That's just like pull your head out of, pull your head out of your ass and play better. Um, but I don't think like there weren't. There weren't really alarm bells going off for me with the defense when I was watching that on Saturday or, again, when I rewatched it you know, over the weekend. To me, it kind of looked like Ohio State was like, if you want to go on a six-minute drive with nine passes and score a touchdown at the end of it, be our guest. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt to me, too. And uh, just to point out a couple of things, like a couple of the breakdowns, like I think this was, this was in the second half, one of their scoring drives. Um like they extended drives by like getting Taraja Mitchell in, in a bad spot in coverage and they got Tommy Eichenberg and man coverage on like a wheel route that Tommy Eichenberg was slow to react to. Later on in the fourth quarter, like there was a play where I think Legend Cavazos was out there and and I, I don't think he quite played his zone the right way and he left an opening there and Aiden O'Connell made a really good throw to help extend the drive. Like part of it, not all of it, because they mostly kept their starters in. But part of it was Purdue picking on guys who I don't think would have been out there in normal circumstances. And I'm including Taraja Mitchell and Tommy Eikenberg on that list because one revelation from this game is that Steel Chambers is a starting linebacker and played like just about every meaningful snap before the game got out of hand. He played 52 snaps, which is almost 20 more than any other linebacker. He played the first five series on defense, and they kind of rotated alongside of him. But if the game were in question or in doubt in any way whatsoever – I really think that like a better player would have been out there at a spot that Purdue started to pick on in the second half of that game. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any alarm bells. Hey, Landis, can I be honest with you? Yeah. I have a runny nose. I need to go blow it, and I don't want to ruin the podcast. Okay, go do it. So just like cover, we'll just pause. cover me for fi- no, cover me for fifteen seconds. You want you want to vamp? Okay. All right. The man's gonna go blow his nose. What else can I tell you about Ohio State's defense? Um, one of the things I wrote about in Final Thoughts that went up on, what's today, Monday, Monday morning, uh, and it's an issue that I thought Ohio State had kind of cleaned up a little bit um, over the last month or so, but what was an issue kind of right when they started making this transition defensively a little bit was like their spacing and zone coverage, which is super important the way they play it because they just like spot drop. And you have to make sure you have all your areas covered. And there were a couple times where I think guys got greedy, started chasing stuff, and that left some windows open for for Aiden O'Connell to complete some passes. One play slid out in particular, a third down and ten conversion um, in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, on a scoring drive. So that's that's more stuff that Ohio State can just clean up. Again, it's not stuff that I think is fundamentally flawed within the defense. It's more like what happened with the defense felt more to me like what I thought about the offense the last two weeks, which is like it's not broken, just play better. He's back. Did Ohio State play better on offense? Oh, they definitely played better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played. Okay, better, can I ask you? Sure. Can I play some? Uh, let's play some Ari Wasserman takes. Yeah, yeah. One, will Ohio State have three finalists in the Bolitnikoff discussion? I'm a Bolitnikoff voter this year. Um, you have to. You have to submit no. ten spots. Yes. Is Jackson Smith the Jigba going to make it? I think he might have been late. So the the ten, I I'm pretty sure that I submitted my ten before the Nebraska game, 
because I think we got it before the Nebraska game. I, I might be wrong on that, but I think that was the case. So he might he might have been a smidge late um, to the party to get there. Uh, had I been able to do it right now today, I would have put him on there. So you believe that he's one of the top ten best receivers in college football? Yes. Like, because he has emerged, and I know that that Alave and Wilson are what they are, and people are going to talk about them. And but like, if a defense is keying on any one of those guys, like I think Jackson Smith and the Jigba is every bit as capable to slice through a defense as those other two are. I agree with that, and I also think that he. And this isn't to take anything away from him because I'm trying to compliment him when I say this. I think he might be the best route runner of the three. Um, and where he's at, on the, kind of like on the interior there in the slot, working against nickels or safeties or even linebackers from time to time, like he's just going to win every single time. And the thing that C.J. Stroud does the best is throw the ball in those areas of the field, like with timing and anticipation and really good ball placement. So, like it's like it's tailor made for Jackson Smith and Jigba right now to ha- to have the success that he's having, and and it's part part of it is his skill set. I'm not saying just anybody could go there and do that, but a combination of his skill set and C.J. Stroud's strengths right now is leading the Jackson Smith and Jigba emerging in a major way. Do we? want to have the uh, Trey Henderson Maurice Claret discussion or do we just be like they're both really good and move on I, I think they're both really good and now I didn't cover Maurice Claret and I didn't really watch Ohio State much that year so I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert you you your your opinion on that is more valid than mine um, I will say I think they need to limit Trevion Henderson's workload just a bit and it happened against it happened against Purdue if it, with, with the caveat, if Mayan Williams is going to run the way that he ran against Purdue, I think it would be to everyone's benefit if he got a little bit more of the work, you lessen Trevion's workload a little bit, and kept Trevion fresh for what we think is going to be a playoff run, uh, because I feel like Trevion's getting worn down a little you bit. You do? Like, do you think he's banged up? Yeah. I think he's hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had whatever that rap was on his knee in the Penn State game. Um, I think he. I think he's lacking a little bit of that of that suddenness. Now he still has a straight line speed because he, he erased angles on that 57 yard touchdown run. That was an, an incredible touchdown run. Um, but I think he's, he's feeling the effects in other ways. So if they can get away with, with keeping him under 20 carries a game and until playoff time, which I think is possible if you can give, if you can give 10 to Mayan Williams and he's going to do what he did against Purdue, I, I think you can get away with, with not giving Trevion, you know, 20 to 25 or closer to 30 like he's had in some games, uh, I think that would be good for everybody. I mean, Mayan Williams mean did not good. out-carry him in this game, 14 to 13. and 14 to 13. 117 yards and was averaging eight and a half yards a carry. I know that he had some pretty big big runs. I think what is as long was like 25 or something like that. But, like, I just I, – I don't yeah. know uh, why his role has completely kind of vanished. And I understand that when you have Trey Henderson on your team, it's like every time you hand the ball off, you want to hand it to him. But I, I think I'm on board with that, especially considering the fact that I don't think Ohio State would need Trey Henderson to beat any of the remaining teams of the schedule at all. I don't know if that's an arrogant thing to say, but like I think if Mayon Williams is a starting running back, they wouldn't lose to any of the teams that are ahead of him. I, I think they'd be okay. I, I, I don't want to diminish the, the – I, I think Trevion is more threatening down and oh, down. Oh, there's no Mayan question. But, is, uh, and that matters. Yeah, no, I, I think, that, yeah, well, I think, I think Trey just, Henderson is probably your top ten player in college you. football right now. But yeah, yeah, go that far. But he's pretty good. But he's pretty good. Um, you wouldn't take it that far. No. Ten, top ten in college football. No. Maybe. 
I think like he will be by the time his career. No, I think he already right is. Now. It's fine. I, 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 I disagree. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's really, really good. I don't think he is. He's very good. He's a very good player. He's going to be great here. He's going to be one of the great Ohio State running backs. Uh, I think top ten in college football right now is a little strong. Is a little strong. You know me, man. No, listen. Stick, stick, stick to your guns. I, I, uh, I respect it. And I think, and I think you could. How many quarterbacks um, are better than him? Explain that rather. At easily. Playing quarterback than he is at running back. Because when you start taking quarterback out of the equation, like you might be able to find like a left guard that plays left guard better than him, and there's a few defensive tackles up in Georgia that might probably are better than him. But like, there's no yeah, I mean, like. There's, there's pass I don't rushers, know that I would take any. I don't think safeties. there's any quarterback in college football that plays quarterback better than he plays running back. Mm, yeah, I think I, I think I could buy that. Um, like, I realize he just played terribly against Baylor, but like. Really good Caleb Williams, I think I would maybe consider because of his skill set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I wanted to ask you about something else, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, we do the Heisman straw poll on The Athletic every week where we file our top three Heisman. Uh, did you put Garrett Wilson on your list this week? I did. You put it at three? Three, yeah. So I, I looked at your story. I saw the headline. So explain this to me. Do you think it's because of how he plays when he's on the field? Because it's not statistically, right? Like what? What is it about Garrett Wilson that makes him land on your list? Because I was considering it, because I think he's absolutely outstanding, but he just does not have the numbers yet. That that's what makes it difficult, and why why I think it's it's not something that'll really ever get off the ground. Um, I'm curious. Our Heisman straw poll I don't think is out yet. I'm curious to see if anybody else voted for him besides me. Um, I did have him third. You're right. The, the, and I wrote about this. Like the, the stats make it hard because he's not the leading receiver on his own team. Um, the, the targets are pretty evenly spread out. The, I, I still think he is – it's part of the reason why I vote for Jordan Davis, although I didn't vote for him this week at Georgia. Like Jordan, there's nothing about Jordan Davis's numbers that jump out at you, and frankly, like his snap count is even kind of low. But I think he's the best player on the best defense in the country, and the best defense in the country is like the thing that's like dominating the entire sport right now. I think Garrett Wilson is the best player on the best offense in the country. And if you want to tell me that the best player is Trey Henderson or that it's Chris Olave or that even if it's Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'll listen because I think you can make a compelling argument for anybody or, or any of those guys. I think it's Garrett Wilson. Uh, I, I think there is something about him in particular that when you take him out of the equation um, – just just makes Ohio State's offense a little less threatening because I think Garrett can do everything well a little bit better than Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like all, all those guys are threatening in their own unique kind of way. I think Garrett is threatening in multiple ways that the other guys maybe just quite aren't right now. Um, so that's why I kind of wrote what I wrote. That, the thing about the Heisman, if you're going to consider a Heisman candidate on this offense, it should. The be. thing about the Heisman that I find to be um, interesting is that it's such a numbers based thing. Yeah. But sometimes when you watch uh, a player, you just know he's different. 
or he's special or there's something that he possesses that other people don't possess. And I also think that Garrett Wilson's numbers are a byproduct of who else is on the team, which I guess is it's like hard to win a, an outstanding offensive player award when you've got four other first round draft picks or five potentially. How many potential first round draft picks of the 11 players are there on Ohio State's offense? Like it's not even. I'm not saying this year. Just I mean, eventually. Three, four, five. There's at least six, right? Six. I would say at least six, pushing seven. So you know what? And that was the thing that people that had like when I was discussing the Claret versus Henderson thing on Twitter. I think Maurice Claret was more special, but Henderson is better. You know what I mean? And I think that Garrett Wilson is probably more special than some of the other players on the team. I don't know if you want to make the case that. Olave is better than him because he's been the most productive receiver, maybe one of the most productive receivers in Ohio State history. But Mm -hmm. Garrett Wilson has a look about him that is just like this guy is levitating above the rest of us. And to score four touchdowns in a game against Purdue, I don't know if you want to call that a Heisman moment in a half uh, against a, a top 20 air quotes opponent, then that's fine. But you know, and I know he's been injured, and I know that Henderson's got his shine. I know Stroud's had his shine. But it's like, if anybody is going to get propped up for the Heisman on this football team, I think Stroud should be fourth. I can get on board with that. I can definitely get on board with that. It's it's funny to me, like, Stroud is number two on BetMGM. Overall right in like the country. One. Yeah, he's number one in some other places. And, like, I get it. The stats are the stats, and, and I suppose you can't ignore them. I think if you watched Ohio State play one game, just watch Ohio State play one game, you would not come away um, with that feeling. And it's not that C.J. Stroud is bad. I think he's having a really good year, and and I do believe he's getting better each he's week. He's solid. He's not he's not the most outstanding player in the country. No, maybe he will be at some point. He's not. Yeah, I know. I'm not trying to say that he's um, not going to be good next year or two years from now. But the award is given to the most outstanding player in college football. He is nowhere near that. He is the, he is not even that on his own roster. He is. I agree with you. He is like. Probably fifth behind the three receivers and the running back. I mean, you always say, too, that you would uh, do it the way Doug Doug LaMaurice taught us to do it because I'm a Heisman voter, too, right? I always forget. I think I voted for it last year. You're a Heisman voter, right? When you you vote for it, if you want to be voting for the person who tells the story of the season, then I don't think there's anybody better to vote for than Jordan Davis. So I put him number one on my list. I took him off of mine because I'm finding it increasingly difficult to differentiate between him and N'Kobe Dean. Um, and like the end result of that was not picking either of them, which is probably not the right way to go about so it. So you're the 2014 uh, playoff committee dealing with the Big 12? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, uh, I still had Kenneth Walker first, although I didn't feel great about it. I don't know how. Um, I don't know I how. Had, I, don't, I just don't know how. Yeah. Like I know that everybody did it, and, and, but like he's a really good running back on an average team. I think it's because like that Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State at the is that the game of the year at the moment? Am I forgetting something painfully obvious? I think that's probably the best game. I mean, it's the most it's the highest rated game of the year too. And like he was he was very good in that game, and I think that I think that still sits with me. And and since then, even though Michigan State has lost the game, he has still played well. Um, so that's why I still have him there, but I think I think you're right that maybe that's a mis- miscalculation. I had Will Anderson um, from Alabama number Will two. Will Anderson and was my number, three. number two. 
let me let me actually pull it up because I was like kind of torn. I almost put Garrett Wilson on there because your story made me feel like it was okay. Um, oh, I put Matt Corral too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like Matt Corral has the stats too, but I think he's also a guy like if you watch him, he wows you, right? Yeah, he's super entertaining. His team is going to win ten games in the SEC, and like he's, to my opinion, the most can't miss quarterback watching of the year. I think the problem with Garrett Wilson is that the stats don't grab you immediately, and unless you watch him, yeah, you have to watch him. I don't, him. Think, you can come, I don't yeah. think you can come to the conclusion that I've come to of watching him this entire season, and frankly, throughout his entire career. There's just like a there's a specialist special quality there. That I mean, is, you saw that one that one yard touchdown route that he ran two or three weeks ago. Like that's enough. That's a Heisman moment to me. Against Maryland, that he was destroying people with his route running. It was unbelievable, and like it's not. People, I think, misconstrued what I wrote after the game, saying like, "Oh, like he—he's the missing link to the offense. They suck without him." Like, I understand that he played against Oregon and he played against Penn State, and the offense could have been better in both those games. That wasn't really what I meant by that. Although, I, there is something to Ohio State having its full complement of playmakers, obviously. Um, but I just think there is there is something different about Garrett compared to these other the other playmakers in the offense, which frankly I think is really hard to like to, to stand out in some kind of different kind of way when, when they have so many good playmakers, I think says an awful lot about Garrett. Um, it's just hard to come to that realization. I think frankly, unless you're watching it week to week. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I so, think that watching it is a thing, but people don't watch it when you, when you vote for the Heisman. There's 900, there's 900 Heisman voters and like half of them don't, do, I bet like, you don't even cover 80% football. of them don't even watch the games. Yeah, and that's why like the quarterback with the best stats is, and that's is why the odds are what they win. are. Yeah, because it's and that's why like CJ like if CJ Stroud stays on on the trajectory he's on, he's probably going to go to New York. Like if he's he's got thirty touchdowns and five interceptions right now, he's got in theory three more games if Ohio State doesn't lose again. If he goes four to five touchdowns in all those games and limits his interceptions, and he's sitting there with like. 43 it's touchdowns. Year. It's a Haskins year. Yeah, it's like 43 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and like 4,000 passing yards, 4,000 plus passing yards on a on a one-loss team that's headed to the playoff. He's going to go to New York. Yeah, I just like if anybody who watched it know, would know that he's probably the fourth most outstanding player on there. Wait, what would you rank him as the most important offensive player on Ohio State's team right now? I mean, does he obviously just get a huge jump because he plays quarterback? So let me rephrase it. Yeah. Who do you? Th- where would you rank C.J. Stroud if we were ranking players on Ohio State's offense that were best at their position? Uh, well, I guess that's hard because uh, there's three receivers. Is it is it is it fair to say seven? Just like ranking the guy, like ranking the players on offense based off like. Whatever, like I don't, I don't really know how to define it. Like game breaking ability, overall no, talent. No, just just how much do it off the cuff. You. Which, yeah, which yeah. player do you think? I think he, I would take all three receivers. I would take all three receivers. Yeah, that's three. I would take Henderson. Okay. Um, and then like if you would permit me to take an offensive of course. lineman, I might. Uh, they're, they're all uh, yeah. yeah. How many offensive linemen do you take? Uh, maybe one. I don't think. Like two weeks ago, I would have said Dewan Jones and Nick Petit Frere are playing their position like at least as well as CJ Stroud is playing his, if not better. Um, I don't know if I feel that way now, although they both had very good games against Purdue. So I might take one offensive lineman. I think I think CJ Stroud would probably put like fifth. Like who's the best at that? You, who's the best at, at doing their job right now? You said. 
No, no, I'm not. I'm at fifth. Three receivers, one running back, CJ Stroud. Three receivers, running running back. Oh, you said one offensive lineman or two. I I don't I don't think I would pick one of the offensive linemen ahead ahead of CJ Stroud. Yeah. I mean if you if he plays think, his position fifth or sixth best. And honestly What about tight end? Honestly. What about Mitch Rossi? No. No, maybe Mitch Rossi. <laughs> And like with how they're playing right, if you're if you're just taking like into account like how they're playing and not like just how talented you think they are, I think you can make the argument that CJ Stroud's playing better than Trevion Henderson too. And maybe Chris. We're Olam. eight days removed from when he was playing uh, chest hockey with everybody on the Nebraska secondary. So I mean, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not saying that he's not very good. I'm just saying that yeah, like, he had a bad game. We're also yeah. we're also eight days removed from back to back games of Trevion Henderson running into the first guy he sees. So like. Like everyone has taken, aside from the receivers, I guess everyone has taken turns not playing all that well this year. Yeah, I guess it's like the point I'm saying is I just anybody who votes in an educated way, all they have to do is watch Ohio State to know that he's not even the third most outstanding offensive player on his own team. Yes, that is. I think that is correct. But he's still pretty good. I think he's He's good enough for them to make the playoff, which is pretty good. But I saw. I don't want to sound like an asshole, so just can you safeguard me well, on that, this? That's, that's never stopped us from talking. Is before. that the shtick? I, I, I don't want to be the <laughs> asshole of the podcast. CJ Stroud is playing very well. I don't doubt that he will be very good in the future. I sometimes wonder how actually good he is himself, and how much of these statistics, the ease in which he's played the last few weeks, is the beneficiary of being in a super offense. Like I think that the, yeah. his super off. I think that his peers and the position that he's been in has been the catalyst for what he's doing. And I don't know that I believe him to be a truly outstanding individual player yet. I think that he's taking what he can get when a team that can just mull over anybody like a bowling ball. I think most of that's fair. I think I think you could have said all those same things about Dwayne Haskins. I I know, Justin and Fe- we're finding out yeah. real quickly what you know what that was. I'm not saying that Dwayne. I, I think that Dwayne Haskins was probably fifth or fourth on the Urban Meyer quarterback rankings. Well, he only had like three. No, I'm counting <laughs> JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins, and who's the last one? Dwayne. That was it. He was gone. So then I would probably put him. Uh, fourth on that list and you know how i feel about jt barrett interesting i feel like that is a dramatic shift in your thinking there (laughs) thinking there i don't know i mean fourth you think cardell jones is better than dwayne haskins no i don't know it's hard i i I don't think yeah yeah i don't know i i think dwayne haskins is a solid player who I just traded in our fantasy team for Davis Mills and a draft, and a draft pick. pick. Like what was it? Like the fifth rounder 19 and 2029 or something. I, I, but I, I just, my point is saying is that he is the beneficiary of a lot of good things. He's a very lucky person to be in this position. hundred percent. Um, that is something that every Ohio state quarterback, I think is going to have to, I don't know what the right word no, is. Justin like, Fields is very outstanding on his own. Over time, he became that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. He is. He has a different thing to him with his athletic ability and his ability to to run the football. Like, granted, and I think 
that makes it easier for guys to stand out right away. Um, in terms of like being surgical within the offense and throwing the ball all over the field and, and making smart decisions and throwing with anticipation and all that stuff, like Justin had to grow into that too. Um, I think sometimes we misremember things yeah. when, when guys are really good at the end of their career. No, I know, um, but we're talking about the context of the Heisman fucking trophy right now. So, like, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to. Yeah, but that. Like, we're, but that we're not talking about changes, growing that into that changes it. Though. every we're year, too. In, that yeah. changes, but that changes every year. Like, sometimes sometimes Joe Burrow, Jace Young, and Justin Fields are in the conversation, and sometimes it's November 15th, and we can, like, convince ourselves that there's 10 different guys who can win because no one has risen. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're very much correct. And I'm, I'm talking about pushing back at you for your take on him going to New York. I think you're right about that. I think he will go to New York. I think it's freaking bonkers that he is by anybody who yeah, watches no, the I don't, sport. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he should go to New York right now either. Now, I don't know. We'll see what he does against Michigan State and Michigan and maybe in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. Maybe I'll change my mind on that. Um, as it stands right now, I, he wouldn't be my guy. Because um, here's are, the thing, too. Not to interrupt you, Bill. I'm sorry. I do it a lot. Michigan is not very good in Ohio State standards, in my opinion. Like they are, they're a decent team, but they're. If you watch the Penn State Michigan game, there was a lot of grab ass in that game. You can have a Heisman moment in the Michigan game against a team that you should mow through. So if does that make sense? What I'm saying, like if you kick yeah, the crap out of Michigan, which is just. Uh, Penn State in different colors or Michigan State in different colors. You can carve out a nice little niche on your Heisman ballot and you could put up a bunch of big numbers in a game that probably shouldn't be that that challenging. So I'm very curious to see what Ohio State does and that like I think the team total over in the Michigan game is going to be in the 40s probably, right? So there's a lot of football to be played, and I'm not trying to sound like a hater. I think C.J. Stroud is good enough for Ohio State to win a playoff game, maybe even the national championship, depending on how things shake out. But my point is always just been, for as good as he's been or as efficient as he's been statistically, I don't think anybody with a straight face can say he's one of the three most outstanding players in college football when, when you can't even say that he's probably one of the three most outstanding offensive players on his own team. And I think that's, that's just a Fair. measured... Uh, reality of what's going on here. And, you know, maybe in three years he'll turn into John Elway. I I don't know. But right now he's a freshman who plays in a very productive offense who is the beneficiary of Ohio State's greatness and not vice versa. All that is fair. I, I agree with all of it. I just, I just want to make, I just want to make sure, and I know, I know you don't mean it this way. Like, it, it's not coming from a place of like we don't think CJ Stroud is good. No, no, I, no. I know. I think he's, I think, I think he's, he's good. good. I think yeah. He's good. Um. Being good and, and being one of the three best players in college football is a very different thing. Mm-hmm. I think he's very good. For sure. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just trying to push back on the idea that, hey, this guy is one of the three most outstanding players in football because he's not. He's not. Yet. He's not. Uh, yeah, he's not yet. Maybe yeah, maybe he very well could be. Um, anyway, Garrett Wilson for Heisman. Um, and I just to close the book on CJ, I guess, and we'll wrap up. Uh, the the one thing I would like to see from him, I think he is, I think he is pretty surgical in the middle of the field, even in a way that is like better than Justin Fields. And I realize that's like, like a sexy thing, but I think that makes an offense really hard to defend when a quarterback is confident, and accurate, and and throws well with timing over the middle of the field. And CJ does that very well. I would like to see him be more consistent throwing the ball down the field. And Michigan State should give him opportunities to do that. So like I'm excited to kind of watch that play out on Saturday. Can can he can he take advantage of a of a suspect passing defense that has shown itself uh vulnerable to getting the ball thrown over its head? Um cuz I just think like that's been very hit or miss with CJ this year. 
and he hit one again. He hit one against Purdue and he got called back for a holding penalty. Um, and then like, he got a chance to throw Garrett or Chris Olave open again down the field and he kind of missed him. Um, so I want to I want to see a little more of that. I think that that is part of progression I want to see from C.J. Stroud is is throw it more efficiently down the field and Michigan State. And one thing before we go, Bill, I think that we should just kind of play for a second is mm-hmm. the Chris Olave thing, the elephant in the room here. Chris Olave is is big game Bob. I mean, like when you need something to happen, it's him, right? Mm-hmm. Is it hard to prop up Garrett Wilson as a Heisman pick in your mind when Chris Olave is what he is? Like, what's your what's your balancing act on that one? Right, right now, no. If Chris Olave becomes Robert Ori, like he like he is. Uh, against Michigan and at the end of the year, uh, then yeah, I think it would become a little more difficult. I I think there, I got a question last week in my mailbag about like, this wasn't the exact wording of it, but I think the idea was something along the lines of like, has Chris Olave been like worse than you thought he'd be this year or like less impactful than you thought he'd be? Uh, and like, especially considering he could have gone maybe in the first round last year. Like my answer to that was a very firm no. I think Chris Olave has been everything I expect him to be. And and like from a number standpoint, he's better than he's been at any point this year. Uh, up until last week when Jackson Smith and Jigba got 50 targets, Chris Olave was still leading the offense in targets. Like he is every bit a focal point of the offense that I expected him to be. Uh, it's just that Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba are also very good. So there's been a little more of a balance there with, with who's getting the ball. But it is – it is we are now in what has historically been Chris Olave time. So if he decides he wants to become that guy uh these next two weeks, I think that would put a, a nice little dent in my Garrett Wilson for Heisman claim. Big show uh coming up on Tuesday night. More playoffs, more discussion, and then of course hopefully we'll have Colton on the show and you know we'll get deep into the weeds with Michigan State, but I do think that is a closing statement that Ohio State should feel pretty good about where it is. I think right now, if you had to pick uh, any teams in college football that you believe to be definitively better than Ohio State, I think there's only one. Um, and even then, I think Ohio State could score on Georgia, unlike any other team in college football. Um, I'm excited for the potential of actually getting to see that matchup because it would be a really, really good thing to, to watch. And, you know, for the ups and downs of the Ohio State seasons go, like I feel like this one's been more roller coastery than others. Um, but 100%. as we sit here in the middle of November, I think Ohio State's rebounded nicely and seems to be in a pretty good position. So I am really excited to see them play Michigan State, even more excited to see them play Michigan. Um, even the Penn State game, I thought, wasn't that exciting because of it turned out to be a good game. But going into it, I think this is the most excited I've been going into a game all year, um, even more mm-hmm. so than Oregon because it wasn't the Oregon game like an 18-point spread too. And I know it turned out differently, but this game, to me, I think we'll really find out about Ohio State at home against a team that is in the top 10, you know, supposedly. Uh, we'll see how they do. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it, too. Two back-to-back big games. This is when Ohio State season typically um, gets a little bit exciting, or the most exciting, I think, that, that that it can be. So I think they're in a good spot, too, but I'm excited to watch them play some better teams here these, these last two weeks. So uh, as Ari said, hopefully we'll have Colton on uh, later in the week. Even if we can't, we'll still talk about more of the Michigan State game, give our picks then. Uh, please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Leave us a five-star Oh, and I want to say on one Apple. thing. I- we greatly appreciate it. <laughs> I did it again. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> you got something else there? Go ahead. Do you really have yeah, something Colton else Yeah, Colton thinks that an Outburger sucks. So we're going to have to – I just want everybody to know. 
Well, it sounds like we have a whole a whole hour. Yeah, pod yeah. Now. I'm so sorry. I just like I needed them to mention <laughs> that because we got into liquor. a huge heated yeah. argument in the car. I was driving him in L.A. and like we were yelling at each other about it for like 25 minutes. All right. Well, we'll talk about cheeseburgers in Michigan State. Hopefully, with and I'm so sorry for for ending your your monologue for the second straight week by interrupting you. It's do fun. you still love me? Bud? I feel like. I feel like it wouldn't be four to six with A and B if you didn't do that. So, yeah, I felt like uh, it's I okay. thought like on the risk of insulting Landis or neglecting to talk about In and Out that I think I made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's all about setting the table. It's important. All right, we'll talk to you guys later in a week. Mm-hmm.